Hey, welcome to Online Church here at Cassidy. I'm, I'm excited that you are here with us. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And it is awesome to be able to be together, to be able to worship and celebrate together. If you're new here, uh, we are excited to have you with us. Thank you for deciding to spend a little bit of your time here with us uh, on this day so that we can uh, grow in our relationship to one another uh, and, and so that we can be on the, on the path that Jesus calls us to, because we realize, hey, we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus, and we want to be more like him in each and every uh, interaction we have, in each and every way, each and every day. So thank you for joining us, thank you for uh, coming alongside us, and thank you for uh, for being a part of worship this, this day. Uh, we've been on this sermon series called If, the idea of, of if only... Uh, if only things were different, if only I had more money, if only uh, I mattered, if only being uh, an idea of regret. And, and we wanted to shift that mindset to, uh, to a, a mindset of this. What if? What if is, is potential? What if is hope? What if is the possibility, the promise of what we could be in Jesus Christ? And so we need to live in what if and not in if only. That's been the idea from the get-go. And, and years ago, uh, I, I started, uh, I was in computer field for years and years and years. And uh, when I first started out in the, in the computer field, I, I, I did some work for a company, um, and they had a guy that had written a bunch of software code for them. And I lived in Hannibal, Missouri, and he lived in St. Louis. And he said, hey, you know what would be great is if you learned how to write some software codes, so use programming languages, so that... I could have you do some quick fixes. I could walk you through some of the stuff on, on the phone so that we could fix things if anything goes wrong. And I was like, ah, that sounds like it would be beneficial to me. So uh, I decided, hey, I'm going to do that. And, and in order to do that, I had to drive all the way to St. Louis to buy a programming book because they didn't have programming. Uh, they didn't have a, a store that had those kinds of things back in, in Hannibal. And it wasn't like today with Amazon where you could just order whatever you want. So I had to actually drive to a real bookstore and there was a bunch of books on programming and I, you know, trying to figure out which one I needed. And uh, my friend showed me, hey, you should try this one out. So I brought it back to Hannibal, Missouri and, and trying to figure out exactly how all of this worked. And you open it up and the very first program that you learn in, in any programming language in English is always a program called Hello World, uh, where, you, where you type the inputs, and then when you run the program, it pops up Hello World on the screen. The second one that you learn how to write is an if-then program. Uh, if somebody presses the space bar, then display on the screen Hello World. If somebody presses the enter key or any key, then do something. The if-then statement is a powerful part of writing computer code because it tells the computer if any set of things happens, then you need to do this other set of things. And what was interesting to me is I realized just how much in my life if-then statements really apply. If somebody 
comes into my lane while I'm still in the lane, I will honk, then I will honk my horn and glare at them. Uh, if somebody does wrong to me, then I will be upset about it. If somebody decides they want to gift me with a brand new truck, then I will receive that truck gleefully. If it, all of these things happen, then all of these things happen. And so what I wanted us to think about is this. If all of the things that we have talked about over this past set of five weeks is true, then we need to do something about it. And I, I think we, what we need to do is we need to move from if, from if to then. We need to recognize that if God has done all of this for us, if God is serious about this relationship, if God has called us to, to be on his team building the kingdom of God, then what is our response? How do we respond to what God has called us to? How do we live into the promise that God has in mind for us? And so we're going to be looking at that today. And, and I, I'm sure I'm not the only one that, that deals a lot with if-then statements. I'm sure that in your life, you deal with them on a daily basis. Maybe you've never thought of them in quite this way because uh, you never took a programming class. But the good news is that this, this really is applicable to us as we try to discover how better to follow Jesus Christ. So we're going to be looking at this through the lens of a guy named Paul. Paul, uh, Paul was a troublemaker, both inside and outside the church. If you don't know much about Paul, uh, Paul, before he became a follower of Jesus, uh, he, he was a persecutor of the early church. He was against the followers of Jesus. As a matter of fact, he was at the execution of a guy named Stephen, who was a, the first martyr in the church. Uh, later, after he became a Christian, he, he also continued to cause trouble. One, because he was effective in the mission and ministry that God sent him to, but two, because he understood what God was calling him to, and he wasn't, wasn't allowing anybody else to get in the way. So he butted heads with you know people like Peter, explaining, hey, Peter, we, we need to not force Jewish traditions onto Gentile converts because that's not what Christianity is all about. That's not what following Christ is all about. And, and so he kind of butted heads with the, this group of folks called the Judaizers who believed that everybody that became a follower of Christ also needed to be a Jew. And, and Paul wasn't having any of it. And so rumors had been spread and ideas about who Paul was and what Paul really stood for and, and how he was wrong or how he was right were, were running all over this, this world, the, the world that Paul lived in, in in this New Testament time. And so Paul, wanting to be faithful to the call that Jesus had, uh, Jesus told him, I want you to take, take my message to the ends of the earth. And Paul took that seriously. And back in his day, the ends of the earth was a place called Spain. Now for us, that's not too far on the end of the earth, but for Paul, that was the extreme end of the earth. And in order to do that, he needed to set up a base of operations. So if he needed a base of operations, then he needed to go to Rome and have them be the, the place where he would set out for his mission trips into Spain to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so what Paul decided to do was to write a letter. He said, you know, I, I, I want to write a letter to let them know who I am. I want to write a letter of introduction. 
uh, of who I am and of the theology I understand, who God is and what God is doing in the world and, and how that is applicable to each and every one of us. He wanted to kind of clear his name and give, give, give himself the credit he needed so that he could use Rome as, as, a, as a stopping point or as a starting point, really, to go into Spain. And so from that, we get this book uh, in the New Testament called the book, uh, the letter to the Romans. And it's interesting because, because of the way that Paul wrote it, it wasn't a response. Most of Paul's letters in the New Testament are a response to a letter that we don't have anymore of a question or a concern or some things that are happening. But this letter is an introduction. And so it's a beautiful piece of theology. It's, it's a, a way that we can start to understand a little bit more about what God is doing in, in the world and in the understanding that Paul has of what Jesus is doing. And so we have this book called Romans. And in the first seven chapters, actually in the first seven and a half chapters, what Paul is talking about is, is who God is, that the, the world was broken and that God comes into the world and God makes a way for us through Jesus Christ and rescues us from our sin and brokenness so that we can have new life in him so that we can come to life in that and, and, and that God gives us his own Holy Spirit dwelling within us so that we can, we can be the people that God has called us to be. And, and in that, uh, Paul, Paul brings it to a crescendo in chapter 8. And we're going to be looking today uh, at, at, at chapter 8 of, of the book of Romans to, to kind of get a better picture of what this looks like for us. He says this, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? So what shall we say in response to all of the things that have, have taken place in God's great love for us? Uh, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I mean, Paul's building this mindset of, hey, we received the greatest gift that could ever be given. God has given us his own son, Jesus Christ himself, so that we can have life in him. And if God has given us that life, why would God withhold any of the other blessings that he has in mind for us? He wouldn't. Instead, he is going to heap blessings on those that are faithful and follow this Christ, this Jesus, this person who has come into the world to give us life. He asks the question, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns? Uh, here's the question. God is the one that we have wronged, the, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the only one that truly we have sinned against. Now, we've done wrong things to people, but it's in violation of God's law. And so it's ultimately God that we have sinned against. And so what, what, what Paul is saying is God has chosen us. And if, if God has justified us, not just forgiven us, but justified us, so paid the cost, the debt that we owed, so we owe nothing now, if God has done that, then who can condemn us? Who is left? And he responds, no one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. 
and is also interceding for us. So God uh, gives us Jesus Christ, and and more than that, not not just uh, Jesus Christ who was crucified, but Jesus Christ who comes to life in him. God has given us that, and and now Jesus doesn't just go and, and is absent from the world. No, Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father and intercedes on our behalf. And so he asks the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Can any of these things separate us from the love of Christ? For as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul answers his own question. He says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This this God who has given all things to us, this God who gives us and holds nothing back by giving us Jesus himself uh, has given all of this to us. There is nothing that can separate us from him. Nothing that can separate us from, from God's great love for us. And, and, and in that, we become more than conquerors. There's a, a guy in the 1800s uh, named Oswald Chambers, and he wrote a book. Uh, honestly, it is a pearl of great price. And if you've never read My Utmost for His Highest, it's a, a daily devotional. I highly recommend it. Uh, spending a year reading My Utmost for His Highest it, it will be a blessing to you uh, in, in the growth and grace that you need and in the relationship you had. Uh, Oswald Chambers takes this concept of, of being more than conquerors in his book, and he says this, No power on earth or in hell can conquer the Spirit of God in a human spirit. It is an inner unconquerableness. It is an inner unconquerableness. Here's the deal. Uh, That's not a word in in Webster's Dictionary. There's no unconquerableness that you're going to find in in the dictionary because he made it up, but it is so so applicable to who we are in Jesus. If, if the Spirit of God dwells within us, then nothing can conquer us. We have an inner unconquerableness. We have life in who Jesus is, and we have more than that. We have the, the authority and the power of God himself dwelling within us. This gives us that spirit of, of unconquerableness within us. And, and I just love the way that he says that because it is so, so true. Because within us dwells the very person who set the stars in the sky, the person who, who caused the planets to come together, the person who did all of those things on our behalf. And this is the God that loves us. And so Paul concludes his questions, his thoughts with this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift that we receive in Jesus Christ, nothing can separate us from that great love. Nothing can hold us back from the gift that we have in Jesus Christ. We are unconquerable in our spirits and in the truth of who Jesus is. There's a perfect example of somebody who has lived through this, who didn't let the world hold them back. Uh, in, in World War II, there was a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He is one of the superheroes I have in the faith. Um, he was a, uh, he, actually, he was a pastor, a theologian, a spy, and a martyr. Um, he, he started out by leaving Germany he left Germany so that, because he was un, uncomfortable with the rise of the Nazi party. He left Germany because he wasn't going to be a part of that and, and didn't want the persecution that was happening in the Christian churches. And so he left and had gone to America. And uh, a, a few years ago, there was a book that came out uh, called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, Pastor, Theologian, Spy, and Martyr. Uh, and, and in that book, uh, we see a letter that he wrote. And that letter says this, I've come to the conclusion that I made a mistake in coming to America. I, I must live through this difficult period in our national history with the people of Germany. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I didn't, do not share in the trials of this time with my people. You see, Dietrich was convinced that he needed to go home to Germany to, to be a part of what was happening in Germany, not to accept the Nazi regime, but instead to decry it, to, to say, no, this is not the right way. And, and, and he really got involved in some stuff that, that uh, other, other pastors look at and go, whoa, I don't know if that's okay or not. Uh, he was involved in an attempt to assassinate Adolf Hitler, because he knew that Hitler was in control of this and that if Hitler went away, then he thought maybe, maybe some of this would crumble. Um, and so because of who he was and because of his anti-Nazi stance, he ended up going to the, the concentration camps and was ultimately martyred there, killed for his faith in Jesus Christ and not allowing the people that he loved to go blindly without hearing a voice of someone stepping up and saying, no, this is wrong. And so Dietrich, Dietrich lived this life knowing that he was more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. He wasn't afraid for his life as much as he wanted to be the person that God had called him to be. As much as he wanted to, to be the the champion of the kingdom of God that God had called him to be. And so Dietrich went home to Germany and faced incarceration in a concentration camp and execution for political views on the other side of Adolf Hitler. This is what it looks like if we believe all of the stuff we've been talking about, then we take action. If we believe that God has in mind for us some part to play in the building of the kingdom, then we take action on behalf of God. I love, there's a line in, in the, the, the poem at the beginning of this, um, this If series, that intro video that we play. It says, do something for the breath you borrow. 
Do something for the breath you borrow. And when I was thinking through that, thinking about that thought, um, it strikes me the, the language difference that we have between Greek and Hebrew. Here's what I mean. In, in Greek, the word for breath is pneuma. In Hebrew, it's ruach. The idea is this, it's not just breath, it's breath and wind and spirit all rolled into one. It's this, this concept. And so we have, we have received the breath of life from God. Each and every one of us that lives has received the breath of life from God. But as followers of Christ, we have received more. We receive the Spirit of God. So within us, we have a twofold breath from God, and we have a response that we can pay back. If this is true, if God dwells within us, then what are we to do? If God lives in us, how is it that we come to life in Christ and, and, and do nothing? If God dwells within us and we are unconquerable, why do we cower behind reason and logic that, that, that prevents that? Why, why do we make up arguments about why we can't share the good news of Jesus Christ? Why do we step back from serving? Why do we step back from giving? Why do we step back from living our lives on behalf of Christ? My guess is this, that we have a struggle within us on the faith that, design, that, that describes us. We struggle to understand who we are in God. We struggle to believe whether or not this is true. Because that's the only thing that makes sense to me on why we hold back, on why we don't take that step forward into the truth the hope, the promise that we have in Jesus. Friends, we have this, this week, we start the season of Advent. We celebrated Thanksgiving and now we start the season of Advent, this anticipation of, of God coming into our world. And I wanted to, to say this, if we believe that God came into our world as a little child, if we believe that God lived a perfect life in Jesus Christ and ultimately uh, gave his life for us on the cross and was resurrected, if we believe those things, then we should act. If we recognize this great gift and do nothing, we are shortchanging the God who has done so much for us. Because God knows that there are things that we can do, only we can do, on behalf of Him. And so my hope is that we will take seriously this if-then relationship. That if I am more than a conqueror, that I will act like more than a conqueror. I will seize this day and live for Jesus Christ. I will begin my day by saying, God, what do you want me to do? And send me into your world to be victorious for you. Because the truth is, 33 AD, your victory was secured. All things necessary for your salvation was done by Jesus Christ, and he offers that as a gift to you and says, go and live in my name. Go and be my people. Go and do the things that I have shown you how to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, spirit, strength, and soul, and, and make a difference in the world on my behalf. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift we have in Jesus Christ. 
for the life that you offer to us, for the love that you reveal to us, and for the hope we have in the truth that we are more than conquerors, that we can step out onto the sea right alongside you, that we can believe that we can tell this mountain to get up and move, and by the faith that you have given us, it will do so. So, Father, we pray that in this moment that you would be present with us, that you would pour your Holy Spirit out upon us, and that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, we would be moved to action. We would be moved to take a step. We would be moved to to show something for the breath that you have given to us. Help us to live into this promise. Help us to love others the way that you want us to. Help us to be more than conquerors in everything that we do in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all agreed and said, amen.